0: This is Casey. Life is wonderful, isn't it? Job insecurity, car problems, potential health issues, wayward teenage daughter, parents visiting. Breathe it in, Casey. You're doing great. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, can anybody relate it all? Come on, be honest, you're in church. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the reality is that that is all too familiar, isn't it? I mean, we our minds go, and uh, my wife told me that uh, she said that women have a tendency to connect the dots like that constantly in their mind more than men do, uh, and I only know that because sometimes she accuses me of not thinking about anything at all, but... Um, totally kidding, but uh, the, the reality is we all think that way, and, and we have seasons of our lives where we uh, start to uh, wonder about what ifs when unnecessarily, right? And so there's examples of that, like what if this happened, or what if this happened, or what if that happened? Well, there's no reason to even go there, but then there are other things that she was worried about that were actually, you know, legitimate because they are what they, they're, they're what, what is, right? I mean, what is? I mean, you know, her overdrawn account and her bills coming in—that's a definite what is. So her circumstances were there, but then the what is leads to other what ifs, and so what ends up happening is, is it's just a great way of us to, you know, kind of hear audibly and realize that our minds work the same way—we we do what ifs, and we take our what ises and we connect them to future what ifs, and and, and a lot of times, you know. Uh, We can drive ourselves crazy, and quite honestly, it can get to the point where our our health could be affected, our our physical health could be affected, our mental health, and yes, Jesus talks about even our spiritual health is affected by worry. So as we dive into this today, I'd love to pray as we begin. Uh, Would you pray with me as we start this topic together? Father, we thank you for this day, and we ask your blessing on our time together lord thank you for the opportunity to meet in this building and to worship together freely and that we uh are, are meeting and, and, and we really represent all sorts of worries lord i don't know the needs of everybody here but father rest assured you do and so i pray father that you would truly help us to listen to you just just to be open with all of our worries and anxieties to be honest with ourselves to be honest with you in these next moments and help us, Lord, to hear from you about whatever is going on in our lives. We love you. We ask and pray all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. We're going to take just a moment and receive our offering at this time. As our ushers are coming down. Listen, if you're visiting here today, this moment isn't designed for you. Don't worry about it. But if you're if you're part of Kensington, uh, just know this. That, that faith uh, is tied to giving and so is worry. Uh, this actually is a huge part of... Of, uh, of of giving. Worry is tied to finances. It's always difficult to give financially. So we're always careful to say thank you. Thank you for trusting God. Thank you for believing in what his word says. Giving back to him is what he's blessed us with. And then also thank you for trusting our leadership and what God has called us to as a church as well. So as that's passing, let me go ahead and tell you that uh, there's a lot of worrying that happens every day. Uh, I was five minutes late for the prayer time in the morning, and, uh, and I didn't text Sonia, our campus director. And so she led the meeting, and she texted me right away. And instead of saying something like, hey, are you five minutes late, she texted me and said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm five minutes late for the meeting. And so she ran over to the wings, and she said, oh, you're, you're not in a car accident? Like, everything's okay? And I'm like, well, yeah, I was just five minutes late getting up and getting ready. And she said, oh, man, She's, I, I have a son who's a state trooper and she's like and there's like 10 car accidents a day that he tells me and so my mind goes straight to like you're dead in a ditch somewhere and I'm like wow that's that's interesting like but but I totally see why your mind goes there because that's your reality Uh, My wife, I always kind of poke fun at her a little bit because every time I come home from uh, going to a a global partner or a third world country, I'll come in with my suitcase and she treats my suitcase like it's uh, condemned with all these bugs and things. And so I'll, I'll have my suitcase and she'll literally like shy away from the suitcase and she's like, do I need to spray that or like bleach it? Or something. I'm like Liz. They're just my dirty clothes and my uh, clothes I didn't use. I unzip it and I start unpacking. And she's looking like this. And every time I remove an item, she just kind of takes a step back and she's waiting for something. And she's I'm not kidding. And she does it every time. And I'm like, why do you freak out about like you know bringing back a mysterious bug with some sort of mysterious disease from a third world country? And do you know, I kid you not, this was only last night we were having this conversation where I found out there's a reason why she's afraid, because something happened like that five years ago. When my son came back from Haiti for the first time, apparently I wasn't in the room, but he had come back from Haiti, he brought in his luggage in the family room, set it down because he had souvenirs, and he said, gather around, everybody gathered around, he unzipped his luggage and three Haitian beetles crawled out of the luggage and scurried under the couch. And apparently one of them, the cat, got, and the other two were never seen from or heard from again. And so it's no wonder why she freaks out, right? She's got like twitches every time I come home because there's Haitian beetles somewhere infesting in our walls. So... I, can, I, I understand now, and so even though the chances of me bringing back bugs are slim to none, I mean, you know, if you consider the odds, but the fact remains, I understand why she has anxiety. I understand why she worries. Now, I know that there are many different levels of people in here. Now, I would, I would probably assume that almost nobody falls in this category, but, but maybe for you, maybe you do. I would say some, very few, but some people never worry about anything, right? So if you're, if you're that person in here, just go to sleep and we'll wake you up when the sermon's over. Okay? Some of you worry about everything. In fact, you worry so much, you think it's your spiritual gift. Right? Right? My son has been struggling with worry and anxiety. Uh, I've mentioned before from the stage and, and, and it's just been a really big deal. And I remember sitting down one time and he actually reminded me of this conversation. And I said, I said son, I said, tell me why you're so upset. And he says, I'm just, I'm just so worried that I'm just gonna you know, get to college and I'm just gonna be filled with anxiety. And so he tells me, he says, so dad, he goes, do you remember saying this to me? He goes, you actually said to me, so let me get this straight. You're worried about getting worried? And he's like, yeah, I guess I am. He's like, I'm worried about being worried about something. And I'm like, that's interesting. And he says, dad, I'll never forget you said that. And I thought, man, how how crazy is that? See, the rest of us are somewhere in between, right? From those who don't worry to those who worry about everything. Most of us are in between there. But the bottom line is, is the, uh, there have been many, 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 many books written about worry and they all sell. And the reason why they all sell is because all of us worry about so many things. There are three questions that Jesus uh, asks around this topic that I'm just going to throw out there. Uh, just We'll just skip right to the end. Uh, these are three questions that you don't have to answer out loud. Uh, they, they elicit the reality of our worry. Here are the three things we're going to be looking at today. Jesus asks, who of you, by worrying, could add a single hour to his life? Anybody able to accomplish that? No? Okay, uh, how about this one? Who of you have worried, and actually this is a question that I'm asking. Who of you have worried so much that you think that you've actually taken a year off of your life expectancy? You can raise your hand for that one. All right. And then how about this one? And this is the one that Jesus asked. Will worrying contribute to the thing that is more important to you than life? Will worrying help contribute to the thing that is more important to you than life? So let me just say it this way: If worrying does not extend your life, if worrying has the potential to actually take away your life, uh, uh, by any, many experts believe, and if worrying can't contribute to anything we deem as valuable, then here's the question: Why in the world do we worry? Right? So as your pastor, because it's not logical, because it has no redeemable value or no, you know, uh, good value, inherent value at all, as your pastor, I just want to just take a minute to say. Stop it. Stop worrying. All right, we can pray and go home. That's it. Sermon's over. Okay, no. Sermon's not over. The the bottom line is, is nobody argues that worry is beneficial. Nobody says, oh man, thank goodness I worried about that. Whew. Whew. I mean, I worried about that. Good thing I did, because that produced blah, blah, blah. Nobody says that, right? Everybody knows that it's illogical. Everybody knows that, you know, it, it, it's harmful. It's so stressful. It, it affects us physically. It affects us mentally. And Jesus tells us it affects us spiritually. Literature hasn't solved the problem. <clears throat> and I also know this. You will not walk out of here today saying, whew, no more worrying for me. You're not going to do that. No matter what happens, you're not going to do that. Uh, look at this Charles Spurgeon quote. Consider this. He says, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. So the question is this, what did Jesus have to say about worrying? What are the questions that he asked us? Today, we're going to be looking at what this book says. There's a lot of books, but we're going to look at this book. And believe it or not, they worried just as we do 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus spoke into that situation, he spoke to the crowd. He spoke about the human condition. He gave advice, and there's a commandment that goes with it. And it's a general commandment about the human condition, which means it's not only given to that crowd. The questions, the rhetorical answers, the insights, and the commandments are all given not only then, but also for us. These are principles about us that we need to realize this, this is us right here even recorded 2,000 years ago. Here's the truth that we're going to start out with. The thing you worry about the most is the thing that you are most devoted to. That's what Jesus is getting to. He said that you're most devoted, uh, the things that you're most devoted to, they fuel the things that you worry about the most. Uh, Worry is so emotional that we tend to deal with it emotionally. All right, so Jesus is really saying in this next passage we're about to read, let me take the mystery out of worry. The thing that drives your worry are the points of your greatest devotion. So let me say it this way. Um, I never worry about your job, right? Because I'm not devoted to your job. I never worry about your kids' grades, ever. Sorry. Right? Now, if you sent me an email, I would be perhaps concerned, but I would never worry about your kids' grades, as you do, right? Um, I'm not worried about your retirement. Good luck with that. I hope it works out but I'm just not worried about it. But I'll tell you what I am worried about. My retirement. Like really, really, really worried about it. Right? I'll tell you what else. I'm not worried about anything that I'm not devoted to. If you think about it, I'm not worried about anything that I'm not devoted to. Worry is tied to things that we're most devoted to, and our worry reflects, our worry actually reflects our core devotions. So here's the question that Jesus is going to lead us to. Or actually, there's two sets of questions. Here it is. What if you shifted your devotion? What would happen to your worry? And Jesus doesn't get there right away. He takes a little while, it's a journey, but he's eventually going to get us to consider these questions. What if you shifted your devotion? What would happen to your worry then? When Jesus begins a discussion about worry, guess which topic that Jesus starts with? Anybody? Money. By the way, do you know the Bible talks about money more than anything else? This isn't a sermon about money. Jesus uses it as a very small example. But he knows, as we do, that it's the number one competitor for our worry, or number one competitor for our devotion, right? Now, that's why there's a bunch of stuff in the Bible about it. So Jesus starts with it because, after all, we all worry around money. So here's where it picks up in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24. He starts off by saying, No man can serve two masters. And of course, you know, everybody knows what that means. And so he's making a parallel. And he says, either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve both God and money. And, then, and by the way, the, the Greek word for that is mammon, which actually, actually better translated is, is really stuff. And so Jesus is saying, you can't serve God and stuff or acquiring stuff. So we translate that, you know, into the English language as money because money is used to acquire stuff. They had money back then. But whether you want to use money or stuff, they kind of are in the same category. And what Jesus is saying is, is that like, hey, these two are at war with one another. Your devotion for one versus your devotion for the other. This is where he starts. You can't be devoted to both. And then Jesus takes this discussion of what he's trying to get at to the next level. And so he starts in verse number 25, and he says this, therefore, and therefore means I'm going to use the example that I just gave, and I'm going to draw a conclusion. Okay, so it's therefore, he's connecting the dots, I tell you, and here's the commandment, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or what your, uh, what your body, uh, or about your body, or what you'll wear. And then he asks this question, is not life more important than food and the body, and more important than clothes? So not only does he connect the two thoughts, not only does he draw the fact that there's a war going on before, between what we are devoted to, then he gives a command, don't worry. And then he says, your, is not life more important than the components of life? Now, it's so interesting because, you know, we do have to, you know, eat. We all have to live indoors, and we all have to be clothed, right? We all have to provide. And he's saying, like, is not your life, which is, you know, when Jesus points to life, it's different than the components of life. Now, what's interesting is, is that Jesus is revealing here that he knows what they're worried about. He's talking about, you know, the things that they are thinking and the things that they are most worried about. And Jesus demonstrates his ability To actually identify that now if he were talking to us today he might say it this way don't worry about if you're going to be able to retire don't worry if your kids are going to get into the school of their choice don't worry whether or not you're going to be single for the rest of your life don't worry whether or not you'll find a job that you actually like don't worry about your prodigal son or your prodigal daughter now, I'm not saying that Jesus is saying, give up your importance for these, you know, and, and, and knock down the importance. He's not, in fact, he doesn't say that at all. He doesn't say stop being concerned, stop working toward them. He never, he never devalues those things at all. He's only saying one thing and one thing alone. Don't worry about them. And what's really interesting is that Jesus never calls us to not be practical or not to work hard or to not do our best. Uh, it reminds me of that uh, joke I heard one time. Uh, there's a joke where there's a guy uh, who's uh, he's in a flood and, and he's actually on a rooftop and the water's getting high and the streets are filled with water and there's a boat that comes by and says to the guy, hey, the flood waters are rising, jump into the boat or else you're going to drown. He says, no, no, no. He says, I have faith and God is going to save me. And he said, uh, the guy's like, oh, okay. So he you know, goes, goes on his way and then another boat comes by and says, hey, jump in the boat. The water's rising. You're going to drown. And he says, no, no, no. I have faith in my God and my God is going to save me. He says, oh, okay. So the, guy, the boat goes away, and then the, you know, another boat comes by and says, hey, listen, the water's coming up pretty quick. We may be your last hope here. And he says, no, you're not my last hope. God's going to save me. And the, guy, the boat, guy on the boat's like, okay. So, so, so he goes away, and then the water rises, and the guy drowns. And he gets to heaven, and he stands before God and says, God, I don't understand. He goes, you called me to have faith, and I have faith. And I told everybody that you were going to save me. And God says, well, I sent you three boats. <laughs> like, what's your problem, Right? You know, I mean, God doesn't call us to lose our minds, right? That we're so earthly, you know, heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. God never calls us to stop working toward our retirement. In fact, there's a lot of scripture that supports working hard, doing what we're going to do. The Bible talks about we need to do everything we can to sow and reap and work and store in our barns and do everything, you know, fiscally responsible, provide for our kids. All of that's in the Bible. Jesus is not saying not to be practical or not to work hard or to take the importance and lessen them. Not even at all. The one thing that he's saying is, is he's saying something needs to be more important than that. There's something that you need to trust in or look to that is as devoted as you are to those things. If you have a higher devotion, it could change the way you live. That's what Jesus is saying. Here's what he's saying. You can uh, write this statement down. There is a way to face uncertainty tomorrow, but not worry about it today. There's a way to face uncertainty tomorrow, but not worry about it today. And then he goes into an example. Look at verse number 26. He says, look at the birds in the air. Now, how many of you, when you walked in through the doors of the church, you saw the big bird feeders out there? You guys saw that? Seriously, only like 20% of you? Or, or you just don't feel like raising your hand? Okay, very good. So most of you. Okay, so you heard the bird uh, chirping when you sat down, if you were here on time. And so the, the reason why we did that is because this is, this is where it's coming from. I'm sure you've already made uh, that connection, but... So here it is. It's a, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, which means to plant and harvest. Okay, They do not work like farmers do, is what he's saying. Okay, They don't store away in their barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then here's, here's a question. Are you not much more valuable than they? And so Jesus is saying, look at the birds. Can you imagine if he's talking to someone who is riddled with anxiety, you, would, you, you might even respond and say, look at the birds. Come on, I don't have time to look at birds, right? I mean, like, I, I can't make my mortgage payment. I don't, I don't have a job. My son is failing out of college. My husband says he's not coming back. I don't feel well. I don't have time to look at birds. Could Jesus have chosen an example that takes more time and is quieter or more serene? Jesus is like, take a look at the birds. Have you ever watched birds? I mean, you've got to really carve out some time to watch birds and watch them good, don't you? And it's really quiet, and you have to be super still to watch the birds. And Jesus is almost using an example and kind of almost poetically, it's like, pause and calm, stay still, And watch the birds. And just notice that they are not like you. And yet, your Heavenly Father takes care of them. He always takes care of them. And you're more important than them. Jesus is trying to reveal that we are hyper-focused. And our devotion is there. And our emotion follows our devotion. He's saying they don't sow or reap. In our culture, he'd say, well, they don't have a 401k. They don't get a college education. The birds don't walk around, you know, trying to protect their kids from everything and putting, them, putting helmets on them, you know, wherever they go to keep them safe, right? In fact, birds do the opposite, don't they? Birds build a nest as high as they can, in the tallest tree. And when their, when they're, you know, little offspring are like this big, they just push them out and say, good luck. <laughs> How's that for a parenting model for you, Right? Birds don't even try, really. It's all instinct. Birds don't have a planner. Birds don't have a budget. And yet God provides. Who is more valuable, birds or us? Wouldn't it be interesting if we ever read that Jesus Christ came down to the earth, he was born on Christmas Day, and he was formed and fashioned like a bird. Now, nothing against birds, right? I mean, you're like, hey, stop dissing the birds. I'm not, I like birds. What I'm saying is Jesus Christ didn't come down to the earth and die on a cross for birds. Birds are great, but he, but he didn't die for birds. He, he came and fashioned himself as a man and he, and he humbled himself to death and became obedient to death, not just any death, but death on the cross as a sacrifice to pay for your sins and mine. And the bottom line is, is that Jesus Christ did this because he loves us. You and I are way more valuable than, than any other part of creation, according to the Bible. God loves us unconditionally. Jesus came as a human being. Jesus is trying to show us how we can have uncertainty and not worry at the same time, knowing that God provides for those, you know, that that, that are technically not as important to him as we are. He's not saying be irresponsible. He's telling us to sow and reap and work hard. Yet after everything we've done, and if we've done everything we can, we just need to trust God for the rest. Look at verse number 27. And then he asks a question. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Here's another way to ask this. Ready for this? Can you, by worrying today, create certainty tomorrow? Think about that. But can you, by worrying today, create certainty tomorrow? You, know, you want to know what the reality is? Your whole life has always been uncertain. Even when you thought it was certain, it was never certain, was it? For many of you, 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 know, you realize your health could be you know, changed in a minute, uh, your, your job situation, your family situation, uh, your very life, all of it, none of it, none of it is certain. It's all in the same category. And the reality is, is that there are different seasons of our lives when we realize uh, uh, our uncertainty more, right? Our uncertainty more because we're thinking like, oh man, life is, life is uncertain. Well, the reality is that it's always been uncertain. And so why is it that we would, you know, lose faith in times when we're just aware of it more? Because God has always come through, even when we felt like it was certain. It's the illusion of control. Look at verse number 28. Jesus goes on. And he says, And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon and all his splendor, which, by the way, was the Old Testament king who's the richest and wisest man who's ever lived, who had more garments and clothing and and cloths than anybody uh, could ever dress themselves with. And he says, yet I tell you, not even Solomon and all his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's referring to the flowers that covers the field. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, right? Grass grows, it withers, it turns brown, right? How much more will he clothe you? Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now all of a sudden Jesus brings the word faith into it. And what he's doing is he's connecting our faith and our trust to him as the provider, And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I know God can provide, but I struggle with will God provide? It's not his capability, it's his goodness. So now we have like a faith and a trust thing all wrapped up into one. But the reality is, is that if we wake up each day confident that God will take care of us, we would stop worrying. Not because our circumstances have changed, but because our faith has changed. And so the bottom line is, as we are worried about so many things. And I thought I'd take a few minutes to, to just talk about the things that I'm most devoted to. The things that I'm personally most devoted to in my life are the things that I worry about the most. And here's what God wants me to do. God wants me to release control or the illusion of control of what I worry about the most. And so, believe it or not, most of them can be found on my person. So I'm just going to go ahead and pull out. This right here, believe it or not, it's more than money. This represents a lot of different things. But this, this wallet right here, uh, I guess we'll start with the money first, you know. I have a whopping 12, 12 bucks in my pocket. But, um, but, you know, this is what God says to us. All the teachings of the Scripture tell us, He's the one that provides. It's the reason why he calls us to be generous with others, give charitably in in situations. He says, as you release control, the strange thing is that's when you can open up your palms and actually be in a position to receive from him. And so we just, we give it to him and say, okay, God, I trust you with my finances. I trust you. I recognize that you're the one that provides. I realize that's why God calls us a steward of money because it's not ours, it's he's the provider. That's That's a whole other sermon altogether, but that's just one example. Um, You could also say, uh, it's not only money, but it's stuff. And these are just a few credit cards that I have. One's a debit card, one's a credit card. These are actually my credit cards, so don't be stealing my credit cards. (laughs) But this is my favorite credit card right here. This is my Lowe's credit card. And see, this doesn't just represent, uh, you know, money. It's bigger than that. It represents the things that I want that I can't afford to buy yet right? This represents things. I can get things right now. Right now I can get things. I can walk into Lowe's and be like, I want thousands of dollars worth of things that I don't have the money for because I want them. And so it represents my desire for things. And guess what? My desire could be fulfilled today, right now. Just the swipe of a card. But my desire, my desire, my contentment issue, right? My, my, you know, I have to ask myself a lot of questions about why I would want so many things. And so all of that, God is asking me to give to him. In this little wallet, I have pictures of my family. And, and I'm telling you, there's nothing I worry about more than my family. And I'm sure you're the same way. And my role as a husband and my role as a father, I want to do everything I can for these people in these, in, in, in these pictures. And, uh, and here's what God tells us in his word. That my kids are actually God's before they were mine. And not only that, but believe it or not, it's hard to believe, but, but God wants to and is able to take care of them more than me, much more than me. And what he's asking me to do is to trust him. And I can do whatever I can as a parent, but there's a point in time where I say, I, I can do no more, and it's out of my hands. And God, I trust you with my family. And then there's my identity. You know, there's a, there's a license here. And, and and really my ID is is so much more than just my my my, my uh, you know social security number and my address. My ID represents who I am and who I believe I am. And you know with my identity? God wants me to give my identity to him, and here's why. Because most of us spend our lives listening to other people tell us who we are. We we spend all of our lives listening to others tell us our worth. You know, and others pe- other people define us. And I I worry about what you think at times. I worry about your approval. I worry about all those things. And I'll even define my own self-worth based on other people. And What God is saying is, if you just give your identity to me, if you realize just who you are, it'll take care of your worry. Because you are my child. You are my child, who I love, who I will provide for. Chris, as much as you want to provide for your kids, don't you know that you are my child and I will provide. I will take care of, I will be with you. I want to bless you. And if I realize just who I am, it takes care of a lot of things. And so all that garbage about worrying about you and my identity, trying to define who I am, God, I give that to you. And then what about this? This represents my job. This is my swipe badge. This is my actual swipe badge. You know what that means? That means that you can walk up to the Troy campus where where we work, you know, out of Kensington, and you could swipe it under any fab. And this, by the way, is 24 access into every room. Because because you know, not like all these all these other swipe badges held by the minions that walk around here. (laughs) This is a 24-hour swipe badge, right? And so. And, and by the way, this will get you into the Orion campus as well. It'll get you anywhere. That th- th- this will get you anywhere, right? So not only does this represent my job, but it represents, you know, like my level of where I'm at in my job, right? This is how important I want to feel. This is, this is, this is, this represents, I mean, it's got my picture on it. This is everything. This represents a lot of me right? I feel, I get a lot of my worth and my identity for my accomplishments and my contributions. I mean, so much is wrapped up into my job. And what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to say, God, I recognize that you're the provider of all things. God, I can't worry about my job. I can't worry about my future at my job. God, I just just hand over whatever happens in my future and my career and my accomplishments and my self-worth, and I just give it to you. And the bottom line is, is we give God all those things and not only that, but how about this? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You know what this represents? This represents a lot of things. How about my schedule? My schedule of not only just my work things, but also my home things, and also the extracurricular activities that I do, how I invest my time, how I spend my life is right here. It's controlled by this little dumb machine. How about this? It represents all my contacts, Right? I used to memorize phone numbers. Who memorizes phone numbers anymore? Hey, call this guy. That's all you got to do. Why? Because every single contact that I know is right here. This represents my connection to the world. It represents my connection to social media around the planet. You know, I, I get to look at other people's lives as they post you know, the highlight reel of their life and compare it to the blooper reel of mine. Right? So when it comes down to it, this little thing in my hand represents so much. And God just wants me to just get to the point in my life where I just like God I give it all to you. And then the only thing I really can find out that I have left is my my keys. Now this represents this is my house key. I mean this this is my home. This is the biggest thing that I own. In fact I don't I don't own it, but a couple hundred more payments and I'll own this sucker. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> but but I mean it's it's a big deal, isn't it? And how about this? These are, these are, these are some of my cars. Uh, I just actually just uh, leased a truck like last week. I'm not kidding. I, I had an old beater pickup truck. I, I had to because it just, all, three of my cars just died, just completely died. I'm like, what do I do? So I, I, I leased a truck, but I've never, I've never done a lease ever in my life. And it's, a new, it's really new and shiny. But you know what? It's caused me a ton of anxiety and I've only owned it for a week right? Because they're like, okay, if you scratch it, like, remember, like, it's not yours, it's ours, like, you get to drive it, but it's ours, and so if you scratch it, they even give me a sticker. If it's above this circle, if it's, if it's right, then, then you're going to pay for it. And I'm like, oh, no, and so I go to Kroger, and I used to park, like, right next to the buggies. I'm like, ah, right? Look, it's always open next to the buggies. I'm, and now I'm out there taking up two parking spaces in the corner, way out, you know, I, I identify with all the morons of the world, because I'm just like, I'm just like, I got to protect. I'm so worried about it. This is just a source of anxiety for me. It's a good thing, but it's so bad. So all of this represents all of my cars, you know, and it's like, I don't really have anything left. So when it comes down to it, that's what God is saying. God is saying like, I don't want you to be more less devoted to any of these things. The only thing I want you to do is be more devoted to me. And when you wake up in the morning, just trust that I'll take care of it. Trust that I'll provide. Trust that I've got it in control. And in my hands, all of these things are in good hands. They're in the right hands. They're not in your hands anymore. They're in my hands. And once we get to that point in our lives, the amazing thing is, God says, great. Now that you've arrived at that point, I'm going to give it back to you. And go ahead, you can, you can drive your truck that ultimately you know, comes from me and recognize that I'm the one who gave you the ability to lease that sucker. Uh, you can go ahead and take care of your family and I'll give you the responsibility to parent for a while, but ultimately just understand that your kids belong to me. And I'll give you the opportunity to spend your money and, and make choices on what, how you want to invest it, but just know that all of it comes from me. And your identity, just understand that you could know, have your identity back, but just as long as you believe the right things. And your job, just recognize that I'm in control and you don't have to worry about it anymore and your desire for stuff, you know, if you just have the right perspective in me and everything else, then it'll even change your desire for stuff and and everything, how you spend your life, how you view yourself, all of it. You can have it all back. But just know that once we wake up every day recognizing that they're in God's hands and I may have it, but I keep a loose grip on it. That's what God is asking us to do. And so here's the question. Here's the last question. What are you most devoted to? Because if worry is a waste of time and time is life, then worry is a waste of life. When you start to worry, remember, it's like throwing away your life. So say to yourself, I'm not going to throw away my life on this. If you've done all that you can do, you've sowed and you've reaped and you've prayed and you've provided and you've worked hard and you've thought and you've done everything you could do about that which you worry about, then just let go, give it to God, put it at the altar of the cross and just trust God for the rest of it. If our emotions are driven by what we are devoted to, then ask ask yourself, what are you most devoted to? Because the reality is, a lot of us put more faith in our worry than we put in God. So what are you most devoted to? I'm going to challenge you to go home and read Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34, every day this week. And if you're a person who struggles with worry, and by the way, on a very serious note, I know there are a ton of you. There are a ton of us. And I want you to go home and read Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34, every single day so that you could be reminded of what is true, that you could be reminded of what God says and, and how God says, do not worry. And listen, let me ask you this question. Wouldn't it be great if there was a visual aid that we can look at every single day and remind us of the scripture? Wouldn't it be great if we uh, woke up every day and there was something tangible that we can see and it would be a reminder of the hope Of what God says about our worry. Keep working. Okay. We'll be back. <laughs> right on. Thank <music> you.